All right, good morning. Let's all go ahead and stand and let's sing a song that you might have forgotten about. It's a song called Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. So Ace is on vacation this week, so they are filling in for Ace, and I'm an old Baptist. I've been a Baptist since I was a baby. I mean, and this is an old Baptist hymn, and I think they have a whole bunch of Baptist hymns today. I'm excited about that. If you don't know Baptist hymns, well, go on to Amazon and buy you a Baptist hymn book and start practicing up, okay? But I, you guys got one right there. Look at that. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer, and then we'll have our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, that we're here this morning, Lord, to worship you in song and giving and the preaching and teaching of your word today. And I'm just thankful to be here, uh, Lord. We just have so many blessings, uh, Lord, that you've given us, and, and we just thank you, Lord. And the most important one is, Lord, I just thank you and, and worship you this morning because you died for us. You, you gave up your life for us on the cross and you rose again, defeating death, and we love you, Lord, and uh, we worship you today for that. So be with us today uh, as we're here. Be with our ones that are on vacation. I know we had a lot of vacations going on uh, this time of year. So be with our, our brothers and sisters as they're traveling. Uh, and Lord, in everything, we give you the praise and glory. In your name I pray, amen. Take a couple minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
this morning, guys. That's all I'm saying. All right, you, you can have your have seats this morning. Uh, we got several announcements. I, I don't know if my disciples are downstairs, but if the Brookses and Herod, if they're down, are they downstairs? Anyone know? Somebody check Brookses and Herods. I've got discipleship certificates to, to hand out. If they're not downstairs, everybody send them a message and say, this is two weeks in a row we ain't been able to give you the discipleship certificates, okay? So, so get after them. All right, women's uh, trip. Is this maybe the last week, or can they keep signing up for a while? Okay, you, we've got 16 ladies, more than that maybe. There's a bunch of ladies signed up. The retreat, the women's retreat, it's called Defiant Joy. It is August 24th through the 26th in Branson, Missouri. Details are on there. So ladies, we're going to pass this around again if you all want to sign up uh, for that trip. If you want more details, get with Valerie uh, on that. Men's Bible study tonight. Is this a new study? Maybe Denny's downstairs. It's called Life Beyond uh, amazing, I believe. A life beyond amazing. It starts at six o'clock tonight, fellas, for men's Bible study uh, here at the church. VBS was this week, and I think VBS. It was a great week. Uh, I, I, there were lots of kids. I want to. Is Jody and Bridget here? Jo, come on up here, Bridget. I've got a couple of cards for them. They cooked food all week long for everybody at the church. So thank you guys for that. Thank you so much. Jeannie Donaldson and Alan have got away today. They're on vacation, uh, but we ha I have a card for Jeannie also because Jeannie cleaned up every night for everybody. So a big thank you for that. And then the, the director, Sierra, come on up here. Uh, we, during the week, she did a great job leading uh, all week long. And they also raised money. They raised money. Now let me get the mic and I'll just let you tell. You sure? Okay. So, all right. All right. So all week long, the kids had a coin contest where they could bring in coins and raise money. Uh, and the boys, I think the girls probably brought in more coins, but the boys had a lot of green in theirs. And uh, the total was like 300 to one, is it on here? Well, how much did, is it broke down by boys and girls? No. The gir boys had like 300 bucks, yeah, and the girls had over 100 but so the girls got smoked. And I don't know who what men contributed to that, but it, it was a, uh, it was uh, the men won. Woo! All right. So all the, all the money, all the wait, I'm in trouble, man. All, all the all the money this week was raised for the freeway shower trailer ministry. Four hundred and fifty-one dollars and eighty-two cents. There you go, my friend. Yes. So that ministry, we might as well, Mike, give them an update on just what that is and what you're doing on Tuesdays and, and just tell them, uh, if you can turn that mic on, guys, he's going to tell them what they're doing. One, two, yep. So, uh, yeah, we use this ministry in Springfield and it's going really, really good. I know some of you have been coming on Tuesdays and I really appreciate it and I hope some of you, uh, others that haven't been yet, will come. Uh, I know it's it's during Tuesday during working hours, so it's hard for a lot of you to get off. We, we understand that. But this ministry is growing, and um, so we have a shower trailer. It's got three stalls on it, and I pick it up, and we take it to the headquarters every uh, Tuesday, and uh, we set it up, and what we do is is we, uh, we go to the Veterans Center in Springfield, and we go to the men's mission, uh, and we'll even pick up people on the street. So we'll send a bus over there. And, uh, and we'll 
we've been doing three loads of people uh, a week. So we set a record two weeks ago at 39 people that we were able to share the gospel with. Uh, also provide them a shower, uh, clothes from head to toe, and also feed them. And, and, and they were loved on. And so we do this every single week. And, uh, and half of those people had never been there before. The week before, uh, we had the same thing. Ha uh, Fifteen people had never been there before. So it, it's spreading. It's growing. Uh, we've had uh, some salvations uh, out of it. And, uh, and then also some resources that are given out that we're able to provide for them as far as like IDs and, uh, and things that they desperately need to be able to, um, to live. And so uh, it's just great. I look at it like this. Those 39 people that we ministered to last week would have never heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. They would have never heard the gospel if we didn't have the ministry going on. So everything, every time I, want, I, want, I preach or every time I counsel someone, right, this is what I want to be doing is sharing Jesus with someone. But we're able to facilitate it every Tuesday and do that. So if you're interested or anything, just holler at me and, and we could use uh, We're looking also, too, for some needs like um, shower shoes. Uh, we could use, because uh, we, we give them a, a pair of shower shoes every week. And uh, that and men's belts and women's belts and uh, new socks, new underwear. So, yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, so we had a going away party for Trey and Savannah. They're going to, his paperwork is being held up a little bit to go to Florida. So we're going to have to put off the going away party from July 2nd. We will update it. We're still going to have one, but it's probably going to be a little bit later on in July. So if you had planned on bringing food next Sunday for the meal or anything, just hold on. Uh, and if you forget and you cook anyway, bring it and we'll eat it, okay? But <laughs> there's not going to be a going away party. So... Young adults, uh, the young adult, college and, college and career class, young adults, Saturday, July 29th, they are going on a float trip uh, on the James River. So there's a, there is details about it on the Crossbridge Young Adult Facebook page. So uh, go to the Facebook page uh, of the young adult group there, and there's details, but it's Saturday, July uh, 29th. This is something also me and Mike added. It's not really last minute because we've got a whole other couple of weeks. But the 4th of July is on a Tuesday this year, and every year, you guys know Marshfield has a huge parade, and we set up a booth around the square. We're going to do the booth this year, where we pass out information about the church, we'll pray for people, share the gospel with people, and bring some lawn chairs, uh, and we'll watch the parade together, probably eat a corn dog together. It's a great day. If you've never came and hung out at the church booth, we have an amazing time. It's really a good time. We're going to meet at 8 a.m., here at the church uh, that morning on July 4th to go set the booth up. So if you would like to help with that, please let me or Mike know uh, and just show up with, bring your, bring your fold-up chairs uh, and all that. Also, if you haven't seen the, the, the uh, chairlift, so we have an outside chairlift to get people who cannot get upstairs from the outside steps into the sanctuary. So if you uh, it, it's, they're charging it this morning, but it is available. It's up and working now. So we, I wanted uh, the congregation to know it was installed this week. And uh, so it's all up and going. So anything else that I forgot? Back to normal Wednesday night service this week uh, at um, dinner at 6, services at 645. Women's coffee? Tuesday, 830 at Mom's Cafe, ladies, for breakfast. Tuesday at 830. Anything else? Okay, if you would stand uh, this morning, let's take up our morning offering. We'll have our time of worship today before we jump into God's Word together.
So bow your heads with me as we pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you again this morning, uh, God, that we're here, Lord, because we love you and we want to worship you. And uh, a big part of that is, Lord, just trusting everything to you and our finances and, Lord, giving the best to you. And so, Lord, this morning, uh, use this to further your kingdom, to just share the gospel on a local level around the world. Uh, Lord, and I'm just thankful to be here this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen. song to God be the glory I just first wanted to just say though that just thankful just for having for, for me to be able to be here and um, allow me to lead worship for you guys uh, um, but let's thank uh, so it's to God be the glory great things he has done someone just start shouting out what are what are the things that God have do, God has done for you any given year good keep going Well, we're going to sing about that right now. To God be the glory.
All right, you may be seated this morning. Uh, I have, well, for one thing, I want to say about that song. Man, that's an old song. It's been years since I've sang that. That will preach because the answer to that song is something we should ask. I mean, the question that it's asking, it's not really asking a question, but it should. Can you answer, can you sing, I mean, we should ask ourselves, can we even sing that song this morning? Can you legitimately sing that in your heart that wherever Christ leads you, I'm going to go? That is a question that every single person is going to ask, has to ask themselves for all eternity. If they say that you say you love Christ, that is a question. Man, that'll preach. So we have a video from VBS this week, a short video. Just if you weren't able to come to VBS, boy, it was awesome. And so we have a short video uh, from VBS this week that they're going to play. Good stuff. It's good stuff. All right, our second group go downstairs to Children's Church if they'd like to this morning. If you would please stand again with me as we honor God's word. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. While you're turning there, uh, you know, there's a lot of different groups that you can get engaged with here uh, at Crossbridge. Last night, the, uh, the empty nesters went to uh, the, the show Esther at Sight and Sound Theater. Uh, Selena and I tagged along as chaperones because we got to keep that group in line. Uh, I think it's the other way around. But we had a good time uh, last night with them. And there was like 20, 26 or something empty nesters that went. So maybe you're an empty nester and you're like, I want to get plugged in with some of these folks. Do that. They have like quarterly events where they go places together. There's so much stuff you can do. So Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 uh, through 13. Genesis 6, 5 through 13. It says this. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his hearts was only evil continually. 
And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, Lord, this morning for your word. And boy, there's just so much here that I didn't get very far in this passage on Noah, Lord, but I just pray this morning that, um, that it burdens our hearts, that we, we look at our own lives this morning uh, and we look at the temptations that Satan uses against us and how that all had an effect on, on this passage. And uh, Lord, I, I, more than anything, I pray that you receive glory and honor uh, for preaching it and teaching it today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so, you know, we finished uh, first, second, third John, and we were talking. I always send out to all of our elders, like, hey, what do you guys think? Should I start another book? What, what, what is a good idea? And I think it was Denny. I'm not sure. I think it was Denny or Max. I'm not positive. But one of them said, hey, what about if we go through and talk about some of the historical uh, biblical characters in the Old Testament? And kind of everybody responded, like, Man, that's a great idea. And so I, that's where we're going. Now, this series, just in, off of, in preparing this sermon this week, this is probably going to take a while because the Old Testament is big and there's a lot of great historical characters. And this is Noah part one. Uh, so, like, if we do a part one, part two on every single one, it may be a while, but uh, we're, we're going to start going through this. And, and what, what are, the goal here is that we learn from their lives we learn from their mistakes, and we also look at the great victories that they had uh, through the Lord. And maybe it'll increase our knowledge, and, and a lot we can learn here. But I, we, I wanted to start, I wasn't for sure where to start, uh, and, and I just reading through Genesis, I, I, I came upon, obviously Noah is towards the front. I thought about Adam and maybe Cain and Abel, but I started with Noah, uh, and if you go back a chapter, it, in chapter 5, Noah was set apart in Genesis chapter 5. As someone who would be very, very special. In fact, his name uh, was the only one in the genealogy that was explained and had an explanation. And his name literally means rest or relief. And so God had a specific purpose for Noah. And he had brought him into the world with a purpose. And what was that? God at the time was not happy with the world. As you can tell in our verses. He was very, very upset. And the verse that I really focused on this week was verse 5. Where it said, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention, every intention and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So everybody on the earth besides Noah was only thinking of evil and bad intentions continually. Man, and God was very upset by that. Obviously, he was very upset that man had disobeyed him and now was living a life of literal total depravity. Morally, we should say, the world was absolutely bankrupt. Morally bankrupt. Everything had been corrupted by sin. And sin was continually all over. And I got to thinking about that. And I thought, well, I didn't preach on Adam, but that's really where it all starts. And that's where the sin comes in. And that's ten generations before Noah. 
And it all starts back there. So that's where I want to go. So maybe this sermon should be Adam part one. I don't know. But we're going to go back uh, to where this starts. And it's in Genesis. Just turn over a couple of pages. It's Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. And let's read these seven verses. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was of delight to the eyes, and that tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So this goes back to this world being corrupted ten generations before Noah to Adam and Eve. And what do we see here? The serpent is Satan. Satan is tempting Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And then what happens when they sin? What happens? The temptation, they're tempted, and they give in to the temptation. Guys, that's really no different than today. Satan is going to tempt us. God had not created sin. When when God got done with creation, he had created a masterpiece. The world was perfect. It was perfect. In Genesis 1.31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then the morning the sixth day. So when God, when God got done with creation, what was it? It was good. It was perfect. There was no sin. There was no corrupting at all. It was good. The biblical meaning, we've talked about this, the biblical meaning of good is perfect. Perfect in every way. So there's no sin. There's no death. I think there's no tornadoes. There's no hurricanes. There's no fellas planting and harvesting right now. There's no thistles in the field. It was morally perfect in thought, in word, and deed. Perfect. It's perfect. And then what happens? Adam and Eve choose to deliberately disobey God. Satan tricks them with temptation. Let me say, that is no different than today. Satan is going to try to devour you with temptation. I read this this week in a devotion. And I printed it off, and I want to read it to you. It's, it's, it's not too long, but just bear with me. It, it was a devotion. It says, My koi pond was almost perfect. There were flowers, a waterfall, and brightly colored fish of various sizes gliding through the clear water. It was a scene straight out of a magazine. The only thing needed to complete the picture was a turtle basking on the rocks. Thankfully, the local pet shop had an ample supply. It didn't take long before my new pet was basking in the morning sun, right where I hoped he would. Everything was perfect. Until the day I caught my cute little turtle eating one of my fish. Apparently, my pond was so realistic, he forgot he was a pet. Once he discovered the taste of fresh fish, nothing would satisfy him. He tormented my fish nonstop, chasing, nipping, lying in wait. The fish were faster, so if they paid attention, they were safe. 
But if they let their guard down for a moment, lunch. The Bible says Satan is always on the prowl, seeking someone to devour. And like my turtle, he seems innocent. Sure, you know he could be dangerous, but you're, not, you're much faster. In fact, you swam, you've swam by him hundreds of times without problem. Eventually, you get used to him sitting in the corner, and you start to forget he's there. So each day you swim a little closer until one day, chomp. I recently learned about a friend of mine who was forced to resign from his leadership position in ministry because of an affair. He never thought he'd get caught up in an adulterous relationship, but he let down his guard and swam a little too close. The ripple effects of that decision tainted not only the good work he had been doing, but also severely damaged his relationship with his wife and kids. Satan is smart. He knew, he knew he probably wouldn't be able to take down my friend with a direct assault. So instead, Satan attacked his marriage when he wasn't looking. That is temptation. That is what he's trying to do. That's what he did to Adam and Eve. It was a subtle attack. So this morning, I want to start this off of why is God so angry about the earth and this sin? And how did it come in? How did it get to a point where everybody is morally corrupt and bankrupt? And I got to thinking this week, I think the times of Noah probably weren't that much different than what we see today in the moral bankrupt mentality and, and the total depravity of our society. You know, all temptations that Satan is going to try to get you and get me fall into three categories. That's what I want to talk about this morning. It says in 1 John 2.26, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So these temptations are not from God, they're from Satan. So I want to break these down this morning. How do we get to a point, we'll talk next week, we'll get more into the flood, but how do we get to that point? Well, here's the first one, the desires of the flesh. When Satan tempted Eve, to eat that fruit, he suggested that God was keeping something delicious from her. He suggested, he suggested that God, God doesn't want to you to have this, but oh, it's so great. It's delicious. You want it. He will tempt us in the same way. He will point to a natural desire, a natural desire, and would suggest to us to meet it in our own selfish way, not in a godly way. Eve had a natural desire for food. And what did Satan do? He exploited that desire. The desire for food became sin when she fulfilled it in what? An ungodly way. Last weekend, Mike did a great job. We and Sydney listened to it on the way back from Chicago. Just an amazing message. We spent three days in Chicago. And we had a great time. But walking around in downtown Chicago in the big city, the amount of moral bankrupt and sexual sin, sexual immorality, I'm sure that it didn't, like I said earlier, look much different than in the times of Noah. The celebration of sin, the drunkenness, the, the depravity. There is a natural desire. We talk about sexual sin. This is a huge, huge sin that we talk about in, in our world, our country, and even in the church. There's a natural desire for men and women to have intimacy with one another. God lays out that plan biblically through a biblical marriage relationship between one man and one woman. 
Any other way than that is sin. And we're trying to fulfill that desire in an ungodly way. What do we see across our country? Sexual immorality. Even in the church. Let me say this again to the church. Your children are your responsibility to raise and teach what is right and what is wrong. And what is godly and not godly and unbiblical. It is your responsibility. I want to say, men, this morning, we just had Father's Day. We better be having conversations with our sons about this matter. Because I'm telling you that Satan is dangling an apple in front of their faces on this issue all over. In, on TV, on their phones, all over. If you read, we're, we're going through a study on Wednesday nights in Proverbs. If, if you read the whole chapter of Proverbs 5, I challenge you to read the chapter of Proverbs 5. Read that to your sons. Have conversations with your sons. I want to give you just a quick uh, ec excerpt of that. So turn to Proverbs 5. Proverbs 5, 3 through 8. Proverbs 5, 3 through 8. The chapter is about a warning against adultery. 3 through 8. It says this, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. And now, O oh my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of, thy, of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. When I look across our country, I see people falling for that over and over and over. You know what it is? It's lust of the flesh. It's the desires of the flesh. It's trying to fulfill a natural desire that young men and young ladies have in an ungodly way. It's all over. And it's temptation. And Satan, if he can get you off track with that, he will destroy your life. And there'll be consequences for your whole life based upon that. So the desires of the flesh. Here's the second one. The desires of the eyes. What did Eve see? They saw this fruit and they had, it was a natural delight to their eyes. How many of you remember the children's song, Oh, Be Careful Little Eyes? Anybody remember that? Somebody want to come up and sing it this morning? Go ahead, Dave. Okay, I'm going to shut it off just for the sake of time. But the, it goes through four different things. And I'm telling you, that song, like the last worship song, will preach. What does Jesus say about our eyes? They're the windows to our soul. They're the windows to our soul. What a lesson for us. Our eyes play a major role in our decision making. Our eyes play a major role 
If we see something we want, what does our flesh say? Go for it. Our eyes will absolutely lead us into sin. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Here's the verses. Here's the verses from Jesus. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. I added these late last night. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Later on, he says, if your eye caused you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Now, I don't literally think people need to be gouging their eyes out in a literal sense. What it's saying is if, if there's something in your life that's causing your eyes to look at things that you shouldn't and lead you into sin, get rid of that. Get rid of that. Our desires come right through our eyes. You know how I think about when I was thinking about this? Somebody else that we're probably going to be talking about in a few weeks or maybe a few months. I think of Samson. I think of Samson. Samson started his downhill slide with what? Lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. Listen, Samson shouldn't even have been hanging out in Philistine country. He shouldn't even have been there. Let alone going after a Philistine woman. Oh, but you don't understand. She's beautiful. She was gorgeous. Samson had lust of the eyes. And what did it cost Samson? It cost him his eyes. It cost him his life. The real beauty that we should look for. I want to talk to our single fellas real quick. Anybody who's maybe even single here. The real beauty that we should look for and ladies that you should strive to show is found in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, it says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle, quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious. Listen, you, you naturally, a lot, of, a, a lot of young men have a desire to be married. You want to look for a wife. Look for one with a gentle, quiet spirit. That loves the Lord Jesus. Not one that has to get all dressed up all the time. That's literally what it's saying. Talking about our eyes. Think about this, ladies. Another point. This is for the ladies. Modesty. It's for the fellas too. Now, if I, if I know that you struggle with alcohol abuse, am I going to take you to dinner and pour a big glass of wine in front of you? No. No. Absolutely not. Then why... Do we, if men all across our country struggle with sexual temptation, do women dress like they have nothing on? I'm telling you, I have teenage girls. It's unbelievable. It's ridiculous, church. You can't hardly shop for teenage girls' clothes anymore because of this. It's absolutely ridiculous. And listen, listen, this isn't Jeff's opinion here. This is what God's word says. 1 Timothy 2.9 says women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. You know what I tell my teenage girls? Sorry girls, I'm not picking on you. I tell them if you dress like trash, you're going to attract trash. That's the truth. Modesty. Oh, but I know the argument to this. Well, but Pastor Jeff, he just, not, he just doesn't need to look. That's on him if he sins with his eyes. Yeah, it's his sin. But you have just laid out a huge stumbling block in front of him. And now you've led him into sin. 
Romans 14, 13 says, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So if I know that young men all across our country struggle with this, why would I want to entice someone to sin? I shouldn't. I shouldn't. It's sin when we cause others to stumble. Here's another way. Oh, this is a big one. In America today, it's, it's really idolatry is what it is. In America today, the average American family has over $7,000 in credit card debt. Total in America, $1 trillion. You know what that is? Lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. You see something, you want it, and you buy it, even if you can't afford it. Even if you can't afford it. And, and Americans will charge stuff up. Charge up credit. I, my cousin worked for a credit card company. And I asked her one time, what's crazy stuff you see? Oh, people will go and charge up vacations. And airline tickets and trips, four, five, six thousand $6,000. And then they'll call the credit card company and say it was fraud. That's stealing. That's stealing. They steal. That's stealing. People will, people will do that sort of thing because they have lust of the eyes. They have lust of the eyes. They charge up a bunch of stuff they can't afford. It's all lust of the eyes. It's because they're not content in Christ. You know Paul? I, I love the Apostle Paul when he says, I've learned to be content in every situation. Whether I have a lot or whether I have little. None of the stuff that we have here matters. It's no big deal. It doesn't matter. So who cares if you have nice or not? It doesn't matter. In the end, none of that matters. None of that matters. And you know what this is? You know what happens to you when you charge up a bunch of stuff and you can't pay for it? You know what you are? The Bible says you're a slave. You want to be in modern-day slavery? Owe somebody a bunch of stuff. You're in modern-day slavery. There's great freedom. There's great freedom when you don't have to worry about money and financial concerns. It's all lust of the eyes. Here's the last one. Here's the third one. Pride of life. Oh, man. This is, yeah, this is where Satan will tempt us to be our own gods. He strokes our ego. This is pride. Eve's desire to be as wise as God led her into sin. So what did she do? She rejected God's authority to rule over her life. God said, don't do this. And Eve said, eh. I'm not picking on Eve. Adam did too. Eh, we'll go my way. I'm going to do it my way. Listen, we play into this pride of life when we reject, let me use this term, the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life. What is the lordship of Jesus Christ? It's that he's in control. He's in control of everything. Listen, there are times, I believe, when we give more consideration into what other people think than what God thinks. When our kids were little, I used to get in trouble for this. Selena would get so upset, and I, I, I quit doing it. I haven't done it in a long time. She used to get so mad at me for this. But I gave our kids sometimes, I'd give them a pardon. And you guys know what a pardon is. It means you've been absolved of all charges against you, and there's no record. So she'd be after the kids about something, and, and I would just make this little sign of, I, I'm giving you a pardon. And she'd look at me like, I can't believe you just did that. And I shouldn't have because I wasn't supporting her and getting after them, right? But I would give them a pardon. It's almost kind of like a veto. 
A president has a line item veto where he can mark stuff out or he can veto a bill. You know what we do? I'm, I'm just going to cut that out. We do that with God. We retain a pardon or a veto ability where we say, God, I'm going to veto that and I'm going to retain my power over my life just in case you want me to do something that I don't want to do. What was the last worship song? It ties into the last worship song. Where you lead, I will follow. You know, when you, when, when you have the pride of life, you don't sing that song. Because you say, God, I'm, I'll follow you where it's easy to go and when it's convenient for me to go there. But if it gets in the way, if me being a follower of you gets in the way of anything that's just more important in my life, I'm going to veto that, God. That's the pride of life. And we see that in a lost and dying world. We shouldn't see that in, the, in followers of Christ. Listen, a lost and dying world, Romans chapter 1 says people don't want to answer to God. People don't want to answer to a higher power of God. And so you know what the easy way, you know what the easy way to handle that is? Well, I just don't believe there's a God then. I'm just going to call myself an atheist so that in my conscience... I can tell myself, well, there's really not a God, and I'm not really going to answer it anybody anyway, so I'm just going to say I'm an atheist. Romans chapter 1 says there's no, even, there's no such thing as an atheist. You can look around creation and see that there's a God. So we're without excuse. People say that because they don't want a God over their life. They want to do what they want to do. They want to be in the relationship that they want to be in. They want to do what they want to do on their time. And God, if you get in my way, I'm vetoing it. You know the easiest way I've, I've ever come up with, I think, to determine how committed, whether you will really follow, wherever you lead me, I'll follow. Pick up my cross and follow you. You know the easiest way to determine that, church? There's two ways. I found two ways. Number one, what does my checkbook say? What do I do with what God's been entrusted me with? What do I spend? His. It's all His anyway. We are simply stewards. So what do I invest in? Do I invest in heavenly things? Do I invest in the kingdom? Do I invest in myself? So I have to, we have to look. That's a question. The other one, I think, is even more important. It's our time. Our calendar. How do I serve the Lord Jesus? What am I doing right now to serve Christ? Not to earn salvation. It's not about that. It's about how am I serving the Lord because he saved me. If I really believe he saved me, I'm going to want to use my time to serve the kingdom. You know, I think in most churches, 10% of the people do 100% of the task in the church. And I think that's a very sad statistic. And I pray that we're never like that. But you know what? Here's the answer. You know if you're, you know if you're one of those right now the Holy, and you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now that I'm one of those 10% or I'm one of those 90%. It's not me. It has to be the Holy Spirit. And, and we retain this veto power in our life. That is the pride of life. Now here's, here's the thing. We'll close with this. How do we overcome these temptations? Because these things are what set in motion Noah. For ten generations, it leads up to Noah, where people are continually doing evil, and the world is corrupted. How do we overcome 
these temptations. The same ones that Adam and Eve fell into that leads us to this. Here's the thing. Through Christ. That's it. Through Christ. Through Jesus. Only through Christ. Because our, our flesh, people say, well, just trust your heart in this situation. Mm. Our hearts are deceitful above all things. We have to trust Christ and his word. How do we overcome? Here's the last set of verses. Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8, 1 through 11. Several verses, but I'm going to read it. This is the amazing part compared to the sermon I just preached. It's a real contrast. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you're not condemned. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because, uh, is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. It's only through Christ. It's only through being in Christ. Now, there are other ways that we fight. It's all through Christ, but you know what he gives us also to fight temptation? And, I, and this could be a whole other sermon. He gives us his word. He, brothers and sisters, he gives us the word. So if you know there's a sin you struggle with, the answer is right here. Memorize his word. When, here, here's two different contrasts on this, and I'm going to close. Here's two different contrasts. When Adam and Eve are tempted, what did they do? They sinned. They gave in. When Jesus is tempted by Satan in the exact same way, go look it up. Exact same way. Lust of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride of life. The same way. What did Jesus do? He quotes scripture. He quotes the Bible. He hides it in his heart. And what does Satan do? He flees. He flees. He goes and looks for a fish, like our story said, that's flirting with sin to devour. Not somebody who's hiding God's word in his heart. Listen, that's the difference. It's only through Christ. So here's my question. I'm going to ask the worship team to come this morning. Are you walking in the Spirit? What that means is, do you have the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you in Him? Do you have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Satan, right now, may be tempting you to sin. Maybe right now you're falling for it. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I've been falling for this sin. 
I've been not living a life like a follower of Christ. Well, there's an answer for that. Either one, you're not a follower of Christ or you're in sin and you need to turn back. And I'm thankful that we serve a God that lets us turn around. He lets us even when we mess up. He doesn't send fire down from heaven which we would deserve and consume us. He lets us turn back to him and ask for forgiveness and he restores us. He lets us turn back. Listen, if you're in sin this morning, humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist. If you're not, if you are not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ... Literally, Scripture says you're walking dead. You're dead. You're a walking dead man. And one day you're going to stand before God and be held into account because of your sin. Christians, when you die, you aren't held account according to your sin because Jesus already paid for it. That's the difference. That's the difference. We got to this point in Noah where God is angry at sin. God is so angry at sin, he destroys the whole world. Everything but Noah. All the animals on the land. All the humans except for Noah and his family. Listen, that should tell us how serious God takes sin. It should tell you. If you need to come today, you can. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's pray. If you need to come this morning, you can. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for your word today. It's here for a reason. The story's here for a reason. There's a lot to learn. I pray, God, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, today's the day they would be saved. They're not going to flirt with eternity anymore. Lord, we live in a lost and dying world that probably doesn't look much different than when it did in the days of Noah. I pray, Lord, that we as your people will stand out from that and not be of the world in any way. That we will resist Satan. We'll hide your word in our hearts so we don't sin against you. And we'll be a church that's separate, that loves you. God, in all things, we give you the praise and glory. In your name I pray.
something I didn't announce, but we have. Uh, the last Sunday of every month, we have baptism. And so we have baptism at the river today. We have a young man, Caleb, who we're going to hold underneath the water for a while uh, at the river. Maybe not too long, but a little while, okay? Uh, he's one of the ones coming to discipleship on Thursdays in my house, and so it's going to be an honor to baptize him. So at Greer Creek, uh, I'm going to ask Mike if you would shake hands with people today. i got to go get changed for baptism, uh, and he'll get changed. We'll leave about 10 minutes uh, after we close in prayer here. Here's the benediction. I want to bring this back. I want to bring this back because it's important. It reminds us of so much. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ Jesus forgave you. Hmm. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other in your own families, in the church, because Jesus forgave you of so much. I don't know if there's a better benediction in all the Bible. This may be the benediction for the next year. I just love it. I tell my kids this all the time. It's a reminder for me because I'm not always kind and tenderhearted. Sometimes I'm rough and gruff, uh, and, and I need to hear it too. So I love you all. Let's close in prayer, and then we got baptism. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, again today for this church. I thank you for us being able to come here with the freedom that we have right now in our country to, to worship you unhindered. We're not under the threat of persecution, maybe some persecution, Lord, but not of violence or, or that we can come and we're not harassed coming into the parking lot. And Lord, that's a blessing that our, a lot of brothers and sisters of ours just don't have around the world. And so we need to be thankful for that this morning, and I am. Lord, I'm thankful for the folks in this congregation, thankful for the service this week at, at BBS, uh, at our freeway events, our outreaches. We're reaching people. We're trying to share the gospel with people, God. And I pray, Lord, that you just bring the harvest. Keep bringing the harvest, Lord. Uh, we have another baptism to do today. Lord, there's churches I know across our country that don't do one in a whole year. So I'm thankful, God, that people are being saved and baptized and being discipled. They have discipleship certificates to hand out. Lord, there's so many blessings I'm thankful for today. As we leave here, Lord, keep us safe. Let us be a light in our community. Let us share the truth of who you are. Let us make a, a, a defense for the hope that is in us with gentleness and respect as you command us. In all things, God, we give you the praise and glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You guys have a great day. Baptism will leave 10 minutes after this.